You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Let's go to a very familiar passage of scripture. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. Uh, Fellas, I do not have my PowerPoint on the back wall, so if you can please put it on the back wall so I don't have to turn around all the time. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. Wow, that was pretty amazing, the quoting of uh, Hebrews, wasn't it? Wow. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They should uh, increase their faith. You know what, that's going to stick with them throughout their entire life. They will know that chapter of scripture. Wow, wonderful. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Tonight I'm going to speak on learning to be content. One of the things that I believe we all struggle with the most is being content. Satan just has a way of causing a spirit of discontentment within us. And the last thing that the Lord wants is for us to lose our joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Satan knows that. And so he attacks us continually, continually. I think it's a daily basis in this area of causing us to be discontent. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment. So we cannot be godly until we learn to be content. But godliness with contentment is great gain. What kind of gain? Great Great gain. You have really gained in spiritual maturity when you have developed a spirit of contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We can send some things ahead, laying up treasures in heaven, but you can't take anything with us. And having food... And raiment, let us be therewith content. Wow. Food and raiment. With those two things, we should all be content. Let's pray. Brother Bussing, lead us in prayer. Before we even get started here, how many of you struggle with being content? I I do. It's just human nature. All sales is built around appealing to that part of our flesh that causes us to be discontent. And so the Bible says, and just think about this, the Apostle Paul was in prison. In prison. When the Holy Spirit moved upon him and inspired him to write these words, 
Not that I speak in request of want. Now I'm telling you, if I was locked up in prison, I would have a want. And you know my want would be? To get out. But he found himself even content in prison. And by the way, I don't think the prisons of that day were quite like the prisons of our day. Not that I speak in request of want, for I have learned. This is something we all need to learn to grow, mature into. I've learned in, now what's the next word? What do you think that covers? Think that covers just about anything? When you have just found out you have lost your job? Or like Marion and Debbie who have found out they have cancer? There's nothing that whatsoever doesn't cover. I have learned in whatsoever state, whatever condition I find myself in, therewith to be what? Content. So no matter what is going on in our life, no matter what our position, our station, whatever has happened to us or is going on, is it possible to be content in whatever state we're in? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not what? When you covet something that someone else has, are you content? No. So one of the Ten Commandments addresses this very issue of contentment. Thou shalt not covet, and notice what it says, anything, anything that is thy neighbor's. How many have ever wanted something that someone else has? So when you find yourself wanting something that someone else has, there's a spirit of discontentment in your heart. And that takes away your joy. Now, I've traveled to a lot of third world countries, and it's amazing to me how happy those people are that have almost nothing, and we have like everything, and we can't be content with what we have. So certainly all the things that we possess don't bring a spirit of contentment. You've heard this statement, right? The grass is always what? Isn't that cute? But isn't that just like human nature? To always want what's on the other side and not content with what God has placed on your side? Satan's temptation. He is always tempting us to be discontent. And he uses that to lure us into sin and away from the will of God for our lives. Do you believe that? Here's the verse. There hath no temptation taken you. And you st- I want you to stop and think about this. Almost all temptation that comes to me is a byproduct of discontentment. I mean, start right now naming all the temptations that you face in life, and when you boil it right down, there's always that element of discontentment underlying that temptation. It's really amazing when you ponder on that. There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man. We all raise our hand. 
But God is faithful, praise the Lord, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that year, Abel, but will with a temptation make a way to what? I can get out of this thing. I don't have to succumb to this spirit of discontentment. I don't have to give in to that temptation. But will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. I want to tell you something about this life. A lot of this life is just bearing up. I can't wait till we get to heaven where there's no more temptation. No more dealing with all that we deal with in this life. But we're just not there quite yet. I have, I don't know how many times over the years preached on this passage of Scripture. Those of you who have been with me for a period of time, some of you have been with me a long time. You've heard me preach, preach on this over and over. But blessed is a man that endureth temptation. I'm not giving in. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to ponder on that. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to flee that. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. For when he was tried, he shall receive a crown of life. There's a special reward for those who overcome temptation. Which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not what? Err. Don't err. Do not err in this area. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Why? Because it eventually leads to total devastation, ruin. So as I look at this passage of Scripture, I always liken it to how Satan goes fishing. I've actually picked on Brother Bussing and said he's a good devil because he knows how to deceive those fish, okay? But this is when Satan goes a fishing. Well, we were just talking about having a fish fry. I'm glad you're a good devil. I'm glad you can do that, okay? But Satan goes fishing for the souls of men. He's fishing for you. That's why we call the bait that we use to catch a fish, we call it a what? A lure. And he's trying to lure you with a lure of discontentment. So I call this the six deadly deeds of the devil. First of all, there is what? Desire. You have a desire. You have a fleshly Desire. We all are flesh. Let's face it, to be honest, we all have those fleshly desires. Every man is tempted. He is drawn away of his own, his own lust. That's desire. Then comes the what? Deception. Satan sees where your desires lie, and then he comes with the deception. He's a liar, the father of lies, and he entices you with a deception. Just like a lure is a deception, right? Then there's the deliberation. Now, if you've ever been fishing and you've been able to look into the water, you can actually see fish deliberate whether or not they should take that lure. I've actually had fish swim around and look at the lure. It's like they have a pause. There's something that's just not quite right. But you give it a little jiggle, a little twist, and they just can't help it. 
So you have the deliberation. When lust is conceived, okay, you start to think about it. You start to ponder on it. You start to imagine the delight that you will have if you take the bait. Then there's the disobedience. You just disobey. It bringeth forth what? Sin. So you have the desire, you have the deception, you have the deliberation about it, then you have the act of disobedience, but then it doesn't stop there. Then there's a development, and the sin is finished. You ever notice how lust produces more lust, and it always takes more the next time to satisfy and appeal to the flesh than it did the time before? That's how people get trapped in alcoholism or drug abuse or sexual perversion. Just takes you deeper and deeper. It's a spiral. Desire, deception, deliberation, disobedience, then the development. But listen, this is where it ends is in destruction. And this is what so many times we are blind to when the whole process begins. It all looks so good. And I especially see that, and I know I preach to our teenagers a lot. You know, I preach to them a lot because they don't listen. So I figure if they just take 1% of what I say, I'll just keep saying it. I think our teenagers know how much I love them and care for them. But they haven't been there. They are naive. They are, in a sense, and I don't mean this derogatory, but they are ignorant. And those of us who are older, we've been there, we've done that, we know better. You know why? Because we've been hurt. You know why God hates sin so much? Because he loves us so much. Not only is sin such an affront to a holy God, but it harms us. And he doesn't want his children harmed by sin. And yet Satan, he is so... He's so good. Desire, deception, deliberation, disobedience, development, and then the destruction comes. But the exhortation is do not err, my beloved brother. And that is the exhortation I give to you all the time. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't think that way. Stop it. Because it's not going to end well. He's going to set the hook. Now you see that, and I knew you all were going to do that. (laughs) But that ouch can't even be compared to the ouch when Satan runs his course in a person's life. The garden. Satan has perfected his tactics, but he hasn't changed them. I'm going to read this whole passage of Scripture, but you're familiar with the original sin. What did Satan produce in the heart of Eve in order to get her to take the forbidden fruit? Discontentment. She could have eaten of all the trees, all the hundreds, thousands of trees. They were everywhere. It was paradise. She could have eaten of any tree she wanted. And yet he caused her to be discontent with the one thing. One thing. 
that God said she was not to partake of. Jesus, temptation. Stop and think about it. What was Satan trying to appeal to? Obviously, he wasn't successful because our Lord could not sin. He was far above that. But was he not trying to get our Savior to be discontent? So let's look at the temptation. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, now, do you think after a time of fasting like that, you would be somewhat weak? You'd be in a weakened condition? Man, I get weak after four hours of fasting. <laughs> 40 days. It isn't just like the devil to know when you're at a weak point. Like, have you ever noticed that when you're sick and not feeling well, you seem to be more vulnerable? I know I do. When there's other pressures that are coming, maybe financial pressures or problems in relationships, or just whenever you're at a weak point, Satan just says, ah, I'm going to go after him there. But afterwards, he was a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, what did the tempter say to him? How did Jesus deal with this temptation to become discontent with his situation? Well, let's look. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, now he was what? Afterward, he was what? He was hungry. He said, Command these stones to be made bread. Now, could Jesus have turned those stones into the best baked bread on the face of the planet? with hot butter <laughs> and jelly and jam and honey. But he answered, I'm going to tell you, after 40 days and 40 nights, if there was a hot baked piece of bread, I'm eating it. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He, you know what he said? I'm not going to become discontent. Then the devil taketh him into a holy city and set upon a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. This is actually Satan quoting scripture. You don't think the devil knows the Bible? You don't think he can take scripture and appeal to you twisting the scripture? He knows the scripture better than I do. He knows it better than you do. Jesus said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. No, I'm not, I'm not giving in to this temptation to be discontent. So Satan comes at him again. You know what this tells me? Satan's going to keep at us and keep at us and keep at us. 
And again the devil taketh up to exceeding a high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. Now the Bible says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Does not the whole world belong to him? But right now Satan is the God of this world because of the fall. You think about all the things Satan was offering Christ. You can be the king of kings and lord of lords as long as you bypass the cross. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give all this to you. All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then the Bible says this, And Satan left him for a season. Seasons change, don't they? I'll come right back. Here's what I want you to understand. Face this. That as a Christian, you're going to face season after season after season of temptation. And those seasons are going to last until we're taken home to glory. So this is what I want to say to you. Fight hard. Okay? Fight hard. Fight that good fight of faith. <clears throat> So thankful for our great high priest. The Bible says he is touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. Every one. Everything you're hurt by, everything you're tempted with, every sorrow, pain that you've gone through, he's experienced. You know, it's one thing when someone comes up to you and says, you know, I'm praying for you, I understand what you're going through, and you're going, no, you don't. I've never been through a divorce. I can't understand what Phil was over the house last night. and I can't understand that. And I sympathize with you and I love you, brother. We fought hard to save your marriage. I'm still praying on that. I don't know what Miriam's going through right now. Some of you here are cancer survivors. You do. But we have a Savior who's been touched with everything. That's a pretty incredible thought. He's been touched with everything. Yet he was without sin. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's listening and he feels along with us and he's there to help us. I thought it would be a good idea to maybe compare Christ's temptation with the temptation that Eve faced there in the garden. So let's just do a little comparison here. Of course, we have the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I think we all understand that. But here in the lust of the flesh, Satan says to Jesus, he said, turn these stones into bread. Satan says to Eve, saw that the tree was good for what? Look at that tree. So there we have the lust of the flesh. 
Then we have the lust of the what? Lust of the eyes. He showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. She saw the tree that it was pleasant to the what? Eyes. Then we have the pride of life. Cast thyself down. The angels will swoop down and pick you up. Saw that the tree was able to make one wise. Ye shall be as gods. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What did Jesus do? He refused. What did Eve do? What'd she do? She partook. And then she gave it to her husband, and he did eat. You see, once you give in to sin, Satan will actually use you to entice and lure, lure others into the same sin. Have you noticed that? I got a couple of young people that are really not paying attention tonight. And, and I'm, I'm experiencing a temptation. And that temptation is to call your name out. And you probably don't want me to give in to that temptation. So you that weren't paying attention, I'm telling you, what I'm teaching you tonight is life-changing. It'll protect you and save you from years of heartache. A lack of contentment is a dissatisfaction with one's circumstances. How many have ever been dissatisfied with their circumstances? Synonyms. Disgruntlement. Grievance. Displeasure. Bad feelings. Resentment. Envy. Restlessness. Unrest. Uneasiness. What's the last one? unhappy I am so unhappy how many of you ever said I am so unhappy can I see your hand I've said that I'm so unhappy how many have ever asked themselves why am I so unhappy well why are you so unhappy because you're discontent so that tells me if you will get over you know like just get over it if you'll get over your discontentment, you'll be happy. Now, I'm not going to charge you $150 an hour to give you that kind of information. Nor, nor am I going to prescribe for you some drug therapy. But because so many can't get over it, they turn to something else. You know why there's so much alcoholism? Because of a spirit of discontentment. Maybe I can just find something to make me happy. Any decision. We have to make a lot of decisions every day. But any decision made out of a spirit of discontentment will always be a wrong decision. Always.
how many times do we make the majority of our decisions out of a spirit of discontentment? Many Christians will live their entire Christian life never learning to be content. Thus, they will make wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. They'll reap consequence after consequence after consequence in their life simply because they never learned to be content with food and raiment. Let me give you a little secret. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but it doesn't end there. And all these things, all the things the world seeks after, all these things will be what? Added unto you. Forget who my wife and I were talking to. It was just last night, I think it was. Are any of you having a hard time remembering things? (laughs) My, My wife said to me the other day, she goes, Dan, that was a great illustration you gave, but it didn't happen that way. I'm like, really? That's not how it happened? I forgot what the illustration was where I would tell you, but I thought it was how it happened. I remember a time when we were at Napoleon that I walked around our house and I could not see one thing that God had not given to us. It was amazing. All, everything in the kitchen, the dining room table, the chairs, the sofa, everything. I just walked around. So-and-so gave us this, so-and-so gave us that. You know why? Because we couldn't afford to buy anything then. It's amazing. This is what it boils down to. Either our lives are going to be a Christ-directed life or they're going to be a self-directed life. Either he's going to be on the throne or self is going to be on the throne. That's, that's where you have this whole issue of carnal versus spiritual. Carnal, who's on the throne? Self is on the throne. Just discontent all the time, always wanting more. Then there's where Christ is on the throne and there's just a spirit of contentment. Carnal Christians covet. Why do they covet? Because they're discontent. They covet. Spiritual Christians are what? Content. Have you ever noticed that when you're content, God says, oh, praise the Lord, they learned that one here. Have this. You want more? Be content. You want less? Start coveting. And the banker will be there to repossess it all. I love this statement. Happy people focus on what they what? Unhappy people focus on what they think they're missing. 
How many here would say, you know what, I really got a lot of stuff. How many here would say, I got too much stuff. How many here would say, sometimes all my stuff consumes me. You know what happens when people have so much money invested in the stock market? You know what happens when the stock market goes down? They go down too. You know what happens when the stock market goes down for me? Nothing. I have no money there. Let your conversation, the way you live your life, let it be without covetousness and be what? Content with such things as you have. Now, does that mean if you're content with things you have, you can't better yourself? Of course not. But it's the whole motivation behind it. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Mortify, therefore, put to death the members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But godliness with contentment is what? What? Great gain. Paul in prison. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to abase. You know what abase is, right? I know how to abase, I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. I can learn contentment through Christ. Never let the things you want make you forget the things you have. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.